0: What is up everybody and welcome into the All-NBA Podcast, part of the All-City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades. My goodness, do we have some headlines to get to today? We don't always get headlines. Usually it's just games. We talk about the games. (laughs) But in our 48 hours off, there have been some headlines. We've got scandals, hiding the game ball, pettiness in the NBA. I can't wait to talk about that, both funny and ridiculous. Uh, We're going to talk about the Suns finally making their their debut of their new team, going up against... Some of the guys from their old team, a lot to talk about there, and then of course, Dream on Green's suspension. Let's get into it. Uh, joining me live from Disney World, it is Tim Legler. That's right,
1: the great Orlando, Florida man. That's right. Uh, take taking some time for you though, and I tell you what, you, you know, you you hit on a wild. A wild uh, day of storylines. There's nothing better for a script for your show than a Wednesday night in the NBA, right? That's it, it writes <laughs> it. And um, we certainly had our share. And uh, I think, you know, Giannis, what he did, obviously, we're going to get into a you know, record breaking night. But I'll tell you what, man, this other storyline, maybe not as positive, but it's something that's got to be talked about. What's going on with Draymond Green?
0: No question about it. We're going to get you into all of it. But first, got to let you know, we are presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code All-NBA, because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Aging eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. So we're actually not going to start last night. We're going to start two nights ago where the golden state warriors are taking on the phoenix suns a big game for both teams you know an important one when you talk about where those teams are in the standings and just trying to get good wins under their belt draymond green kind of wrestling for position with yusef nurkic tries to sell the call legs he just tries to sell it he just flails his arms when he sells calls you know like he just flails and so he flails a little bit perfect spinning punch right to the jaw to yusef nurkic catches him right on the chin Nurkic, uh you know folds like a towel um that's the incident i mean let's just start here when you watch this incident i mean i know what draymond says but to me it looked like a uh you know it looked like a pretty good hook
1: well listen he's selling i ain't buying that's all i can tell you (laughs) right now i'm not interested i'm not making a bid on that i'm not making a bid on that because that's most one of the most ridiculous excuses i've ever heard uh that was absolutely 100 intentional now, did he intentionally maybe mean to hit him in the head, neck area? I don't know. Maybe maybe he swings around. Maybe he can catch him in his shoulder. You know, Nurkic is a big dude. Maybe he hits him in the shoulder to to try to convince anyone. I don't even think people in his own house would believe that excuse because right. he's just – first of all, let's just go back to the, the setup here. He, he's basically sort of jostling – in, in the post, it ended up not even being the post. He, he was pushed out yep. so far; he was practically yep. on the sideline. So now you're about you're you know fifteen, sixteen feet from the basket. Nurkic is behind him. You know, they're, they're kind of wrestling a little bit in the post. I didn't even think the contact that Nurkic uh, put into his back was even that significant.
0: Uh, that was a regular of, post position, right? That's just regular jostling totally for position.
1: Nothing about that I thought crossed any sort of line where you're yeah. going to you know retaliate in any way. But certainly, if you're trying to sell that call, the way you would do that would be one of two things. You either are going to like chop the hand to get it you know, to, to basically let the ref know, like, get this guy's hand off me. Or if you're trying to sell the fact that he bumped into your back with that level of force, you're going to go forward. And you're just going to – your whole body, you're probably going to go down on your chest. We see guys that do it all the time in the post. They get hit. They're trying to get a call. They'll just flop down face first. Sometimes they get the call. Sometimes they won't. But to spin around 180 degrees with your arm fully extended out to, to, you know, to the side as if you're going to throw a punch and then make contact with someone coming around with that kind of velocity in, in their head and neck area, there, there's absolutely, it's so implausible what he was saying into what he was doing. And by the way, there's one last component here. Nobody's more in tune with their body movements and coordination and intent and leverage than a professional athlete. So it's not like he was out of control of his own body. Okay, he swung around, he intended to hit him, and he did. And it's coming on the heels of a five-game suspension in which he basically ran 30 feet to get his uh, Rudy Gobert in a chokehold and then drag him (laughs) 30 feet away and refused to let go, even though there's several people imploring him to. Um, So coming on the heels of that, and listen, remember, the league said – when he got suspended five games for that, I thought that was light.
0: So they said it. We we're taking about it.
1: we're taking past past actions into account. Well, I got right. news for you. You take past actions into account to give him five games for that. And now you're only a few weeks later. You're yeah, well, guess what? Now you got to take that into account when you look at this. And I think this is significantly worse than what he did yeah. to Gobert. Significantly. So yeah. here you go. I'm trying to figure out when this came down, Adam, what the what the number of games was going to be. I thought 25. And now they've gone with the word indefinite, which is really vague for all of us because that could be any number of games from one to the rest of the season. So we, we're all going to sit here and wait and see what's going to happen, you know, and, and is he going to get the help that he says he's going to get, that the league is telling him he needs to get, the Warriors are telling him he needs to get. No one is saying what kind of help, but does he have anger management problems? Does he have some sort of stressor going on in his personal life that he needs to deal with that's carrying over to the court? I guess he's going to have to get in tune with all of those things. We don't know. We just know that we're not going to see Draymond Green for a while, but we just have absolutely no idea how long it's going to be until we see him and what is the impact going to be on the Golden State Warriors in the meantime.
0: And and this is, you brought up the important thing here, which is he was just suspended. It wasn't that long ago, a couple of weeks, you think like, OK, five games. And by the way, you're right that we both thought it was going to be longer than five games, given that it was a 15 second chokehold. This wasn't like a, you know, a push or something like that. This was a very intentional, deliberate and excessive thing. And he got five games. But that's still a big enough time that you think, OK, you should probably be reflective on this two weeks later. And here we are in the second one. It's like, all right, no lessons are being learned here um no pressure has really been applied in a way that's going to make a meaningful impact and just to put a fine point on it this punch to me it was the type where he 100% was trying to punch him he probably wasn't trying to punch him as hard as he did you know that that happens sometimes like i'm going to try to hit you in a way that makes it look accidental and not enough contact but unfortunately he caught him right on the jaw collapsed him and it was like oh damn i hit him way harder than i expected or intended to because i'm completely out of control but now let's move to the fallout of this because the warriors are 10 and 13 on the season they have had a pretty disastrous start to their season with clay thompson uh andrew wiggins look like a shell of themselves you haven't seen the leap we've talked about the warriors earlier in the season nothing's really changed kaminga moody not haven't quite made the leap that you need if you're trying to like hey we've got reinforcements on the way you've had some health luck um some bad injury luck with with some guys now draymond green has missed to date let me see here
2: we're driven by the search for better
0: Uh, seven games, they are three and no, I'm sorry, eight games. They are three and five in the games that he misses indefinite to me. I hate this penalty because the league could sort of like wiggle out of this. It could be five games. It could be 25 games. We don't know. Um, I expect it'll be more, not less. But when I look at this, I go, the Warriors can't really afford three and five you know, a three and five win rate over the next 20 games. They do that. They're going to go the way of the Memphis Grizzlies, another team that has lost a guy. They'll go six and 17 over that stretch, and they'll be out of the playoffs for good. So do you view this and say, hey, I don't know that the Warriors are going to survive this stretch?
1: Yeah, definitely. Because, again, if the league is going to treat this as they're saying, which is, we need Draymond Green to step away from everything and go get a handle on all of this. And that's going to take some time. You and I both know any, any person for any reason, and you know, look, I think every person probably could use a therapist. I think there's just good in general, right. To be able to go talk to someone and get stuff off your chest. If you're going to, to some sort of counseling, which it sounds like he's going to be doing, that's not the kind of thing you pop in a couple of sessions and you're good.
2: Right, right, right?
1: right. That, that takes time to be able to do that. So I think, you know, I think that the league is going to force, you know, I know that they probably would love to have the Golden State Warriors or Steph Curry, you know, relevant and in the Western Conference and in the playoffs, but at the same time, I think they're so tired of all of this and the distraction this is and this whole act that they're going to, you know, come down hard. So I think you're right. He's going to be out for an extended period of time. You know what their record is when he doesn't play. Here's the problem, Adam. It's not just the fact that Draymond is stepping away and he's their primary um, decision-maker offensively. He's obviously a, one of the greatest defensive team, defensive players we've ever seen. So the impact there is one thing. You take that out right. of the mix. When you combine that with the what's going on with Klay Thompson, what's going on with Andrew Wiggins, I mean, these are two guys that have not come close to finding their games offensively. The timing of Draymond Green being removed from the team for an extended period of time could not be worse based on the way those guys are playing. And, you can't replace what Draymond does, um, and now you look—you got a team that's struggling offensively. That you say, okay, well, you know, defensively we need to be pretty good right now while we're trying to figure out what's going on with Clay and, and Andrew Wiggins, and getting them going. Well, now you just got significantly worse defensively. So you're right. I don't know how you avoid, you know, just a, a bunch of losses piling up right now for this team. You know, Steph Curry, as great as he's been, we clearly can see that's not enough anymore. For the Warriors, yeah, you know, they need these other guys to to find their games. And now that we're going on, you know, past the quarter point of the season, I, you start to wonder, like, is this more than just guys in a shooting slump? This starts to become like, what's going on? Like, what is what is what are they feeling on the court? What do they feel like physically? Have they lost confidence? Like, what's happening? I mean, Steve Curry even you know basically took them off the floor at an important time, and he's really rarely ever done that with these star players. And Clay was very affected by that, not being out there to kind of close the game. Steve Kerr didn't have a choice. He'd seen enough too. At some point, you got to go in a different direction to try to get a jolt to your offense. So you add it all up deep, deep trouble for the warriors, deep trouble. As we know how good the West is, how loaded it is at best. They're going to be fighting. It looks like, you know, when, when this is all over with fighting to get into the 10 spot, you know, like, can we at least get into the play in, and see if we can make magic happen with you know maybe by that time Clay's found his game, Steph is Steph, and maybe you have a a fighter's chance with those guys. I don't know, but it's going to be it's going to be
0: rough sledding here for a while. Who? But as much as you say all of those things, I just look at it and go, but how? Because even if Clay and Andrew Wiggins get going in, this is not a good team without Draymond Green. They they weren't a good team with him, but they weren't a good team without Draymond Green now. Because I don't buy that you can even buy an acceptable. Uh, you know, you can get a passable defense with without him in there. Is there a player that you look at and say, or a style? You say, okay, now it's this guy's time to step up. It's going to change the way they look. Like, what is the path forward for them? If we say he's out 20 games, let's just say 20 because it's a round number. If he's out for 20 games, how do they survive it? Who steps up and what do they look like in, in surviving that?
1: I, I don't know that they do survive it. I, just, I think 500 would be impossible to achieve during that time. You mentioned, you know... It, their record without him. You know, if they played a 375 clip winning percentage, just look what that's going to look like. Let's say it's, let's say it's three of those stretches. It's 24 games. Let's just say, right. You go nine and 15, uh, you're looking at, you know, 19 and 28 yeah. at that yeah. point. How yeah. do you come back from that with 35 games to go? And again, again, here's the other thing, Clay and, and Wiggins struggling and Clay, I think it is accumulation of, of injuries, right. And just, Whatever reason, I don't think he feels the same physically when he's on the court. Wiggins, I'm not sure what's going on with him. But again, they have their own struggles right now. But guess what? Draymond Green and, and his, his him not being on the court, that affects them offensively. Both of those guys. yeah. Draymond, yep. Green, Draymond Green is the brains of the operation offensively. He makes the most reads. He's the guy that delivers the ball. He runs all the dribble handoffs. He's a great screen setter. He gets the ball off the glass and goes and hits guys in transition for open shots. You take all that off the floor, it's going to be even harder for Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins to get going and find clean looks and, and, and find their offense. So to answer your question, it's not – there's nobody on their roster. You look at the most obvious answer is always Kaminga. Like I feel like no matter what comes up, oh, Kaminga is going to have to be better. At this point you go, is he capable of it? He has yeah. nights – where he's really, really good, and he's, you know, he's obviously their best athlete, and he makes, he makes, makes a splash, right? But then, but then it'll be two or three games of, of you know, below below average, and they lose faith in him, and his minutes get shortened. I haven't seen a consistent stretch out of Jonathan Kaminga yet to think that he can now step into a role
0: where he's playing thirty minutes a night if Draymond Green's not yep. there,
1: he's and, be, and be he's productive. playing
0: twenty, right now. He's not like the idea of him playing 33 minutes a night. He has his high this year legs is 28 is 30 minutes or right. 29 minutes. He hasn't right. played 30 minutes this year, let alone 30 minutes per night. No, it's it's, it's great point. And he, he's one
1: of those guys that you don't even know if like some players, you play him 20 minutes and you get X production. You play him 30 minutes, you get the same exact production. Like there, there are players that are like that, right? It's just almost like additional wasted minutes. He has not shown yet that breakthrough where you know what you're getting consistently. Moses Moody is another guy. He's going to get some of these minutes. If Saric is going to play more, what does that all add up to, though, for the Warriors? You know, they're, they're a mess, man. They're a mess. This is just, to me, the culmination of what has been just an absolute train wreck of a season to this point. Um, combination of injuries and guys not playing well. You know, Chris Paul, they brought him in there to do certain things, you know, and, and look, he, he doesn't turn the ball over, but their turnovers on some nights are just as bad as it's been before as a team. And he, he's not giving you really offensive punch. I don't think he's capable of that anymore at this stage of his career. So uh, it's just, man, it couldn't, it couldn't have happened at a worse time for the Warriors. And yeah. th- that's the one thing I wanted my final thought on this with Draymond, this is what gets me so frustrated about this situation for the Warriors. When, when you do something like that, you Draymond Green, there is no other word for it other than selfish. That's the only word you can use for it because that is you in the moment yeah. reacting to your emotions only. No regard for your teammates, no regard for your coaching staff, no regard for the organization. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And everybody's just gonna have to live with the repercussions of that. And, he, and, and his inability to have a, like in a break put an emotional break on his actions in the moment because of the accountability to those people. As a player, I can just tell you that's really all I cared about. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't playing for like my family, the fans, you know, my coaches, I was playing because I had accountability to my teammates uh, to, to, to be there, to hopefully play well, to add a responsibility on both ends of the floor to do what i was supposed to do to do my job and i did not want to let those guys down and so when you act out like that and you cost your team the number of times that he has done this selfish is the only word that i come up with and and particularly when they're struggling man trying to keep their head above water they need you you're that important and now you're not going to be there for an extended period of time
0: and look he has four championships in my opinion, I saw some people in the chat and I've you always see this comment of like, he's never been as good as people say. Like, I hate this part of it because I think Draymond is the best defender of a generation. I think he's an incredible player, a unique, he changed the game and all these different things. And he's a huge part of why the Warriors were as good as they were. He also cost him a championship, you know, like, hey, let's not kid ourselves. The 3-1 collapse doesn't happen if he doesn't. But the same right. thing, by the way, that one was the same thing. The kicking... You know it was out of control that year and it was one of those things where he's trying to like lightly kick and then he ends up accidentally kicking a couple people too hard getting too many techs. Right. and it's like yeah you're doing the same thing man you're just you're towing the line every second you're on the court but here's what i want to close with for me the last suspension the last one a couple weeks ago yep. Yep. this was his quote coming out of it he says i think the com- consensus amongst all of us is i'm going to be me no matter what and that's not going to change he had another quote says, I want to play basketball the way I play basketball. The way I play has gotten me here. The way I play basketball has brought me a tremendous amount of success, individual and from a team standpoint. So I'm going to always be myself and there's no changing that. Here you go. I hate this sentiment <laughs> because there is something to like, you got to be yourself. You have to, you know, self-acceptance of your, who you are and the, the emotional uh crazy way he plays makes him great, but also comes with this residual side effects that are negative. That's one way of looking at it. The other way is you can grow. You don't have to be content with the person you are. You could try to improve upon the person you are. And when I hear those quotes, I just know enough people in my life who say things like that. Well, me, me doing this bad thing, I, I've gotten where I'm at doing that, so I'm not going to change. It's like, yeah, not because of that. In spite of that, you could, you could grow as a person, and that should be your goal in all things. It's just to, here's a flaw or a weakness I have. Let's try to erase that over time. He looked at it you the bring, other way. Yeah. yeah.
1: You bring up a great point, man. And this is like, you know, I love this because we're getting into a little bit of, uh, you know, personal therapy here for, for people that are watching this show. You're 100% right. It's, it, there's nothing. But listen, these are prideful people, and it's hard to admit it. Even last night, for him to say after the game, uh, oh, you know that was unintentional, and then to say they talk about him not being there potentially, and he said he said something to the effect of, "Well, I would feel bad about that if, like I said, I intentionally right. did it
2: and I lost my <laughs> yeah, team
1: that yeah. right. It's just like it's just like the that level of not getting it, like that's scary for the Warriors. And look, it's yeah. not all by the way; it's not all by the way Draymond's fault, man. Like like some of this stuff should have been dealt with from the organization standpoint along the way. Yeah, I've said it repeatedly. Like, just look, the guy punched a teammate before the season started. Like, like, you know, I I saw fights. I saw fights in practice when I played in the NBA, okay? I don't think I ever saw someone just completely sucker punch someone like that when you're just kind of standing there in a relaxed state. Even when a guy was walking up to you, you don't expect someone to go that far as a teammate i saw guys get into it on the court in practice i saw a fight in the locker room an epic fight in the locker room one time after a game tables got tipped over in a whole bit so all that stuff but what you know if you think about the stuff that's gone on with him and just his emotions on a nightly basis the way he deals with officials you know and and all that and he just says well this is me i wouldn't be here if i was not like that well there's probably some truth in that with your intensity right that that's really what he's saying and and you know that, that edge you have to play with probably because you're not, listen, he's not the most talented guy in the world. He's not the most athletic. He got to the league and had this level of success for other reasons. That's a big part of it. I get that. But when you have crossed the line this many times to hurt your team to this extent, yeah, man, it's time to look in the mirror and it's time to change and come back changed because you know what? It'll help you actually in your life in other ways that you don't even see right now that'll probably make you more fulfilled on a daily basis if you can get control of this, because right now there's a massive disappointment. You know what stood out to me, Adam, by the way, about this? Look, Look at the replay. Again, I guarantee you probably (laughs) haven't looked at something. There's probably something you haven't noticed because I've seen it 20 times. Okay. He turns, he swings, he connects. Look at the reaction of his bench. He is five feet away from his entire team and the coaching staff one player goes like this kind of, I don't even know who it was, I couldn't quite tell, puts his hands in the air and the, the gesture was clearly, oh my God, Dre, what are you doing? <laughs> nobody else, yeah, nobody really, else moved yeah. a muscle. And what the reason I say that, if a player gets into that with somebody on your team, yeah. that's right on your bench, you're probably gonna stand up because you think it's like, hey man, like my guy's getting into it with somebody. Nobody moved. That is the level of fatigue that this organization feels with these type of incidents. They're that worn out by it. And whether they admit it publicly or not, they're going to protect their guy. Coaches protect players. Teammates protect teammates. With what they, what they say verbally, yeah, let's put a microphone inside Steph Curry's car, Steve Kerr's right. car on the way home from that game, That on the way back to the hotel. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear that. What's really going through their heads because that, to me, told me a lot. The reaction was just literally nothing like we're numb to this at this point yeah, like are you this kidding is what me he this is heard, what he he in the moment this is going to cost him a ton and it's going to cost our team he knew that he processed that within a nanosecond what that was about to do to their team and the reaction is just numbness
0: I think we're going to look back at the punch on Jordan Poole this is three punches ago by the way we're going to look at that as the last moment of the Warriors dynasty I just think it ended there and the rest of this has been playing out the string Um, if he's gone for 20 games, the way you suggest, maybe more, there's just no way this season's over for the warriors. And it's a shame because Steph Curry is still, you know, in his prime, at least playing like it shooting 40 over 42% from three this year on insane volume, as high a volume as he's ever taken. And, um, it's a shame for that's going to be wasted. We got to move on though. Um, oh, by the way, television deal, this is a huge playoffs for the television deal. Like the NBA is trying to inflate their numbers. They're trying to say, Hey, look, we're as popular as ever. Your numbers, if the Warriors do not make the playoffs, your numbers will be worse than you are hoping for. No matter what happens, the Warriors drag numbers up. Steph Curry is the number one player to see in the playoffs. And if the Warriors miss, that's huge for an NBA that is hoping to get a new rights deal. Let's take a break. There's other great stories in the NBA. The big three for the Phoenix Suns finally made their debut. All it took was two months of the season. But they finally made their debut last night. And was it disappointing? We'll talk about that. Uh, But first, in the NBA, the game can change in an instant. But no matter how the action unfolds, you know DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks on basketball. Win or lose, you get an instant dub. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NBA. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NBA. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia... Visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help available for problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at Sportsbook.DraftKings.com slash terms. All right, last night, the Phoenix Suns made their debut with their big three, finally. And they went up against familiar faces. The old guys, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, were in town with the Brooklyn Nets, and they stole the show. They got the win. Both guys played really well. Mikael Bridges for 21 points. uh, Cam Johnson for 15 points, five rebounds, four assists. The big three, though, they go down. What stood out to you in this game as you got your first look at them?
1: I think the first thing that stood out to me was just how long – they have to go how far away they are from being, you know, a well-oiled machine offensively. I just think, and, and, and as to be expected, you know, yeah. you are talking about three guys that although they can be efficient in what they do as scorers, they're all just completely used to being the alpha Um, and having everything run through them. And and sometimes that means you pound it a little bit. Sometimes it means you're kind of looking for yourself. That's what elite-level scorers do in this league. That's their job. And now to have, you know, these bits and pieces of a couple guys out there on some nights, one of them some nights, three of them hardly at all, and then we finally get to see it last night. I didn't notice Bradley Beal, really. And Look, he's just starting, so I get it. But he played 34 minutes, and he was six for nine. So he actually shot well, right? So, you know, he's like – He's efficient, so the question begs: How is a guy on that level that is uh, plays thirty-four minutes take nine shots when he right. when he's when he's for nine? You know what I mean? And that's what that's where they're gonna have to iron this out because it, it's the old cliche about "Hey, there's only one basketball." No, I believe that that doesn't matter. I think it can work, but they're so far from getting to that level of where it's there's a flow to it and a rhythm and an ebb. You know, because to me, it's all about deference. And that's something that guys on this level, it's a very difficult thing for them to figure out when it's just them and they're at the top of the food chain. There is no such thing as deference. It's attack, attack, attack. Every single chance I get it, I can go. If I don't have a shot, I hit too much traffic, I get doubled up, whatever, I'll give it up. But the next time up the floor, uh, it's going to be me first uh, because that's my job. When you have three guys like that, now you start to look around and you you do wonder, like you're thinking. And they're not used to thinking. They're just used to going and reacting and playing and attacking. And now there's going to be some thinking involved in this. And that means you're going to have some stretches of games where they don't necessarily click or settle matters You know, late where they have to. I thought the Nets were significantly better down the stretch. They looked organized. They had a plan, a purpose. They ran good stuff. Dinwiddie had the ball in his hands most of the time because he's their point guard. He was going to set the table. He made a couple big shots, big free throws late. Um, And for the Suns, it was very much felt disjointed. So that's, I think, the number one takeaway in watching the game was just, okay, yeah, this could be something, man. There's so much firepower. But, man, do they have a long way to go to look like a team, like they're going to have to to beat the teams that we're talking about to end up winning it all. And that should be their goal.
0: The stretch – to me what stood out to me in this game is you know the big three together they looked a little clunky as to be expected I thought as the game went on they got more comfortable made a lot of shots and you could see the vision of okay this is gonna be hard to like scramble against with that much firepower right. but the moments that stood out to me was every second that Booker was not on the court which by the way was only eight minutes they get outscored by 20 points in the eight minutes he was not there in part because in my opinion Devin Booker's their best player but he's also the one that stirs the pot. He's the point guard on this team, and he he gets the ball where it's supposed to go. When he was off, including at the end of the first start of the second, end of the third start of the fourth, that's where his rest came in. And in those minutes, you had both Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal on for a good par- portion of that and got murdered. And this is the thing I look at is when you look there, you go, okay, the big three is great, but what are the staggered minutes? One of the things we kept saying was, yeah, but you're always going to have two of those guys on the court at any given moment. Well, they did have two of them, Bill and Kevin Durant, but no point guard to really get them going to really like, you know, orchestrate. And it felt like it. And those lineups got murdered. Kevin Durant and Bradley Bill on the court together and you get murdered. That that's a surprise to me. And look, by the way,
1: They didn't have two on the court at all times, which I sit there, and i it's simple math, Adam. It's math. sit (laughs) down and give me a flow chart. Give me a flow chart, and let me lay this out for you because you should never be caught with less than two of them. There's no reason to. And yet they went a stretch in the second half with one of them on the court. I think it was Booker. Uh, And I'm going, how is this possible? With four basically kind of non-scoring role players and one score. They did, yeah. and it's just like that's just, that's, just, that's-, that's just inexcusable. That can't happen. So, look, the, the Suns, we knew it was going to be this way. Total work in progress. You make a good point about Booker as the playmaker because that's what he is. Look at the five guys that play off the bench for the Suns. None of those guys fill that role. You don't even have yeah. like a like a T.J. McConnell type guy that's just like right. a point guard that's only going to distribute and right, and play some pressure defense. They don't have that. They have wings and one guard good Goodwin. That's all they have. Nobody really is a pure point guard. No one's a playmaker. And I think their thinking is, well, Durant, Booker, and Beale can all initiate offense. They we can run everything through them. Yeah, but that's they're different. more comfortable, they're more comfortable running that stuff for themselves. Like that's right. that's what they're at their best. They can all pass out of double teams and out of traffic, but their thought process is to go and to score. Booker at least has a little bit of that in him where he kind of anticipates turning the corner and, and a reaction leading to a pass. That's the way point guards think, and Booker has some of that in him, but Durant and Beal don't really have that in them. And so this is this is going to be definitely something we're going to have to look at over time, and you're not making a judgment after one game, but sure. the Nets, as expected, looked a lot more comfortable. In a, in a dicey game that was going to be decided late, they looked more comfortable in what they were trying to get accomplished. The Suns looked a little bit more haphazard
0: and they didn't have Gordon you know who's like he's not a point guard but another guy that in theory can handle the ball or bring it up so maybe you know again they're mostly at full strength but there is even a little bit more to go but here's the big question it took two months for them to get on the court together yeah it reminds me a lot of the Brooklyn years where it was like all right once this big three gets healthy and they get some reps they're gonna really take off I mean look at the if you look at the Clippers they've those guys have been healthy and playing and they're getting a momentum it's like okay there's the formula but in Brooklyn, with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, it never came. They never were healthy at the same time. So yeah. how many games do you think – what's the minimum number of games that you think the big three needs to play this year for you to say, okay, that's how long it's going to take for them to kind of reach whatever peak they can reach?
1: I'll give it an even more specific context because I think the number of games could be misleading because what if I said – what if I said, you know, 40 games? Well, I don't know. What if they get – what if they get 20 of those games – before the All-Star break,
0: Yeah. right?
1: You know what I mean? So so for me, it's more about how much do they get together un, uninterrupted going into the playoffs. That's what I would like to see, and I'd like to see a 15 to 20-game stretch heading into April where they have been out there together, rotations are figured out, the deference right. issue, which I think is a big one, is figured out. You know, even putting LeBron James, Dwayne Wade together, that was eight and nine. You know, to start out because right. they, it was almost like they were being too, too uh, kind to each other in letting the other one lead, right? And 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 so they they had some some growing pains. They finally clicked, and then you know what the rest is history, man. You know, four straight finals and two championships. So this team, uh, I think there's going to be an absolute feeling out. There's going to be nights where they don't even. I guarantee, you last night, Bradley Beal did not feel comfortable.
2: Like right, this is straight. Yeah.
1: nine shots in 34 minutes. How is that right. comfortable to Bradley Beal? He's never played that way. Um, you got to go back to his rookie year, probably he wasn't even getting numbers like that, nine shots in 34 minutes. So, it, And that awkwardness is something that takes time to sort out. So I would say the answer to your question is less than the total number of games for this season. Give me a stretch after the All-Star break of 20 games uninterrupted where these guys are healthy and playing together every night. That's what I'd like to see.
0: The other thing that happens in the course of a season is you kind of see, okay, this is where a team's strengths and weaknesses are. For example, last night they went up against the Brooklyn Nets who start Nick Claxton at center. He means a skinny, you know, switchy guy. They have De'Aaron Sharp there, played eight minutes. But they didn't, one of my fears about them is, do they have front court depth? Can they handle in the bigger players in the Western Conference? And again, 15 games, 20 games, that tells you a lot, but you also just want to see different match. How do they look against Minnesota? How do they look against the Lakers in Denver? You know, different types of teams. Uh, What do they look like there? So I just, to me, watching them play last night, it's clear that this is not a natural just plug and play. There's going to be some tinkering that goes on with them, uh, that they're going to have to figure out who they are, and guys are going to have to step into different roles. And they're just going to have to get a big enough sample size. So obviously the talent is there, but they lose to a Brooklyn Nets team last night that is, I think, good. The Brooklyn, We talked about this. Brooklyn Nets are good, and they played inspired uh, last night, I thought. But by no means is that an exciting first start. If we go to the other side, is there anything that stood out to you about Brooklyn? I mean, we've talked about this. We love watching Brooklyn. Um, I loved watching him last night. I thought it was a really fun game, and there were some big time performances, and, including our favorite bucket taker in the NBA, Cam Thomas.
1: My goodness, man! It's, you never get cheated watching Cam Thomas. You know that dude is just—he's—he's he's just a killer. Um, and he's got one <laughs> thing awesome. on his mind. He does it exceptionally well. And it's funny because, he, you know, prior to this year, now he's in their starting lineup. I mean, it seemed like they were so reluctant to embrace what this guy was doing. Like even when he was going through that scoring splurge last year where he had some 40-point games, like a bunch of them in a short period of time. And then when things settled in, like, okay, you're back on the bench and some nights we don't even need you necessarily. And I'm going, this dude's getting 40 in an NBA game and you don't have a need right. for him. Uh, but now hes I think he's finally solidified himself. And They're just looking at him, which is what good coaches do and you don't focus on what they can't do. You focus on what this guy does. And what he does is score at an elite level. Here's what I like about the Nets, I think most of all. They just look like a team that's got great camaraderie and, and chemistry. Yeah. They they yeah. Right? Good vibe. they get they get along well. They it seems like they're all pulling in the same direction. And there might be some shortcomings on their roster overall,
2: but Holy. they're
1: 13 and 10, right? And and they're going to probably finish I think, they, I think they have a pretty good chance of finishing, like, you know, anywhere from six to 10 games over 500. Um, and if that's the case, man, you're, like, pretty relevant in the Eastern Conference without necessarily a star-studded roster because of the way they play. And they've got great role acceptance, great role definition, and they clearly understand, like, the, the pecking order of the food chain on this team, starting with Mikhail Bridges. Uh, but the, even the way he goes about it, he's a very, very selfless guy, and he gets his pretty efficiently – and he's not a guy that's going to, you know, I think ever, you know, upset his teammates because of the way he's playing offensively. So I just like watching him. I think that they've uh, – Jacques Vaughn's done a good job of getting them all together on the same page. And, and you know you're going to have to play well to beat them. I don't think they're going to beat themselves most
0: nights. All right, let's move on now. Legs, you don't know this about me, but I can be a little bit of a hater sometimes. Not all the time, but a little bit. With things that bug me, I just become a hater. I go all the way. Um, We got, last night we had four players go for 40 um, and one go for 64. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 20 of 28 from the field, 24 of 32 from the foul line. But he goes for 64, completely dominates the the matchup with the Pacers. Pacers, of course, last week knocked him out of the in-season tournament in the semis. Uh, They get their revenge tonight. Giannis goes for 64. And my only note on this one, and it's a little petty, he checked back into the game with uh, up up like 12 points or something with two minutes to go with 58 points. Now, I only say that to set the table for 58's a great game. I imagine it's hard when you're at 58 with a couple minutes left to not want to go for 60 just because it's a round number. But he comes back in the game and gets up to 64. I don't know if that's what triggered all of this, but the Indiana Pacers then decided on the road, by the way, in Milwaukee, you're going to do that? We're going to take the game ball. We're going to go run with the game ball now and, and try to hide it and take it away. And it created one of the funniest, most pettiest, to me, we're going to disagree on this, I could tell just from our text, to me, the funniest little petty, stupid incidents that I absolutely loved and continue to love as new details come out of this ridiculous, like the Pacers acting ridiculous, but I love it. Stealing the game ball from Giannis's career high 64. What did you make of this whole fiasco, and and what do you make of the just the 64-point performance in general?
1: Okay, first I want to touch on you talk about Giannis checking back into the game, right? So I lived through this. I lived through this exact situation. As a rookie in Phoenix, uh, Tom Chambers was on the team. The scoring record, I believe, was 56 points for the Phoenix Suns franchise record set by Paul Westfall, who yeah. was sitting on the bench as an assistant coach. So Tom Chambers lights up Seattle this particular night. Sean Kemp was on that team, very young Sean Kemp. I and mean, Tom, Tom Chambers was amazing in his prime, and he gets to like fifty-four. He's got like he's basically tied him, and he's out of the game. And Paul Westfall actually goes to Cotton Fitzsimmons, the head coach, and says, "Hey, put Tom back in, man. He's got a chance to break my record. It's a very cool thing to do." He encouraged yeah. the whole thing. Sure enough. There goes Tom Chambers back into the game. And I think it was probably the the way he was playing that night, three trips, three buckets, 60, comes out of the game, right? I'm I'm a rookie on this team, like, watching this incredible performance. He was unstoppable. So I kind of lived through that. And, look, I don't have – I honestly don't have as much of a problem with a team doing that when a guy's going for some kind of scoring record. Like, this is – you know, this is – Franchise history, and you're right there, and you didn't have an answer for this dude all night. I don't have a problem necessarily with doing that. Now, what happened at the end of the game with this whole thing with the ball and taking the ball and Giannis losing his mind over it, man, just running down the tunnel, and then you don't know where You know, – I'm like, if Giannis Antetokounmpo is that mad, he gets his hands on somebody, this is going to be a problem. (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, the Pacers come out and say, it's misunderstanding, there's a rookie that's got his first basket, and he got the ball, and, you know, it's just nonsense. They were clearly irritated by how bad they got gutted by this guy. They were embarrassed, and they were embarrassed by the fact he checked back in that that ruffled their feathers and he got the scoring record against them. And now they're going to try to somehow take away from that by taking the ball, which is obviously going to mean a lot to him. Um, And the whole thing kind of of just absolutely just went off the rails at the end of this game. Um, And it's kind of unfortunate because it distracts away from What Giannis Antetokounmpo just did to this team. I mean, you think about it. And and look, by the way, this is 156 points in the paint that the Pacers just gave up in two games. They gave up 80 (laughs) to the Lakers. I think 76 against the Bucs, right? And neither of those teams shot a lot of threes. And and, and the Bucs particularly take a ton. They didn't take very many in this game. And I guess they figured out this is the formula to beat the Pacers. Like just, just attack, get to the glass, get to the rim. They they don't have much in there to stop you. And that's what the that's what Giannis's intent was the entire night. And he has this record. And by the way, don't you think probably apropos, Giannis Antetokounmpo has the scoring record for that franchise. And now he yeah, has it. Yeah,
0: yeah right? it was Michael Redd before. This should
1: and be like, because, right.
0: right. And now and now he's got it. So that's that's my yeah. take. So I am I agree on, on everything. This is the thing, is I actually agree with both sides. I like you're like you can go for the points, but you have to understand that that could piss off your opponent, just like anything, running up a score or anything like you have a right to do it and I encourage it, but just know that they're going to be upset about it. And then I love the petty. I just love this idea of like that ball would be really nice to own going for your career high. But since we're pissed and here's the thing afterwards, Giannis was giving a given a ball. Was it the ball? Will we ever know this, Legs? Is there any way to know if the ball that he now has in his possession yeah. is the one they played with? And yeah. this part to me is so funny. And afterwards, by the way, Giannis had a hilarious quote where he says, "I," uh, he says something like, I don't know if it's the game ball. It doesn't feel like the game ball to me. <laughs> Which I just, <laughs> like, I don't know listen, if you can listen. tell
1: like, I'm telling. Listen, you know. I'm telling you right now. Listen, I'm, no, I'm telling you right now, I swear this is true, and I was a shooter, so I, you know I had I had a special connection with the basketball, right? Like oh, I, I love
0: this. You're not as size. You can I'm feel
1: telling it. you right now. If I played a 48 minute game, I just played for two and a half hours. I played 48 minute game, and I touched it a bunch of times, and I've had my normal night, whatever. And then you blindfolded me, and you put three basketballs in front of me and asked me to pick out the one I just played with. I'm telling you right now, I'm picking the right oh. ball.
2: Man. I'm telling you no I way. could. It's true. I'm
1: telling There's you. No listen, listen, I'm telling you, man. I, I even I even when, when I was when I was playing in the CBA, which is now the G League, for people who don't know what that is, I, I spent some time there and I was trying to get to the league. And I, you know, I led that league. I led the CBA in scoring. So I was I was putting up numbers, man. So I was like, I had a green, the greenest of green lights. So every game at home, you know, you somebody from the home team picks out the ball you're going to use. So I was right. the guy. I was like, no, I'm picking out this ball. Because for me really? If you looked over there at me, like at the rack of balls or the basket, yeah. I would it like a person. Maybe it was in the produce section picking out like a grapefruit. It's like it had to have the, the right feel. You, you sniffed it a little bit. You kind of kind of squeeze it right, and it's like I am going to take my time and I am going to get the perfect because they don't all feel the same, Adam. I am
0: telling you. I hear what Giannis is saying, and I completely agree with him this is unbelievable yesterday we talked about the mama mentality and some of it's performative and creating an aura i think this is too like, i'm not <laughs> saying you don't believe it i know you believe it i could tell. i could tell you believe this but i I'll i don't know you, I, I believe it with, with all with all my heart
1: by the way i want to you made you said a phrase that i je- in general do not agree with and, and like another one we talked about some of these things i can't stand uh, like fear and like th- yeah, here's yeah. one you just said you said Running up the score, I don't think there is such a thing in professional sports. I don't think there is. I never, I never even consider, in fact, in fact, someone has to tell me, where did we come up with this new thing that's taken place in the last few years of the league? You're up, let's say, 10, 12 points, okay? And there is 36 seconds left in the game. And we have the ball and we're leading and I bring the ball up the court. Of course, the other team is sort of backed up over half court and they're conceding the game. But we still technically have to shoot the ball to not get a shot clock violation.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Who came up with this notion of dribbling the clock? Is there anything more emasculating to a team, a professional basketball team than to say, you know what, man? We feel really bad. We scored 118. We don't want to take it to 120. So we're just going to take this violation. We're going to go outside the rules of basketball and take a violation, go against the norm so we don't potentially score more points and hurt your feelings out of okay. respect for you. The whole thing's a crock because you're playing within the rules. Look, this is that's different, by the way, than let's say a football team that's up four touchdowns we have four minutes to go and they get the ball and they could just run it, you know, three times. Right, and, right. And yeah, professional. And, and instead you're dropping back, trying to throw bombs to score more points. That's a little bit different. <laughs> right. You're going outside like what's normal. Yeah. To come down and run your offense and take a shot is normal basketball. Too. So I hate that, that now we just go to this level of respect where we're not even going to try to score because we don't want to hurt your feelings anymore. I just don't in general believe in something called running up the score unless you're talking about – uh, youth level where you get a team that's, that's 40, 50, 60 points better and they're still pressing and stuff, That's that's different. You're trying to humiliate people, humiliate kids. At the pro level, I just don't think there is such a thing. Just learn how to stop what they're doing to you.
0: Let me give you a quick fair or foul then. And this is completely separate now of this incident, although it's somewhat connected. I was talking about padding stats or, you know, getting some extra points here or there or some of our players. Because we're seeing all these crazy performances. By the way, five 50-point games this year, three of them against the Pacers. If you're a bucket getter, like you're not missing the Pacers game. That's <laughs> it. If you're a bucket getter, man, I, I'm telling you, you are not load managing against the Pacers because you know that's an opportunity to put, bump those numbers up. And speaking of which, Embiid last night goes for 41 points in a blowout win against the Detroit Pistons. He was questionable, by the way, coming in. Surprise, surprise. He sought Detroit. He's, like, I'm not questionable anymore. But Embiid has missed three games this year at Minnesota. Well, that's a really good defensive front court. That's a tough place to play. That's a tough game. They've got good defenders. Uh, at New Orleans, at Boston. I just, I've just i watched Embiid long enough to know this is like how it works. I mean, he has only played in Denver, I think, one time in his entire career. I just You see a pattern with this. And so fair or foul for me saying, hmm, at New Orleans, at Minnesota, at Boston, out. Three games against Washington, in. Two games against Detroit, in. Two games against the Pacers, in. I just look at this and I go, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm impressed with the numbers. These guys are incredible players. But some of these numbers, 35 a game, I look at it and go, yeah, you cut out the games where you're only going to get 20, a hard 20. And you inflate the games where you're going to get an easy 40.
1: Yeah, look, I I think that that's a fair point, man. It's a pretty good observation because typically it works the other way. You're looking for a night off for a guy, right? You pick one of those teams and you think, you know, we're going to have enough anyway to win these games. You play Washington, you Correct. play Detroit, you play San Antonio. Like we, we're, we're going to have enough anyway. And if you still – and if you happen to lose those games, and you, whatever. It is what it is. You live with it. Um, it's the other games typically that those guys don't want to miss. and even if the organization had other ideas, the player's going to have a little bit of say in that, You're right? They're, no, man, I'm not missing that, whatever. So all right, I think it's, I'm kind of in the middle on this, man. I think I need more more evidence of this, okay? So I'm going to be watching this trend over the next 20 games. To see, and see, to see the games he missed. See, be like, hmm. Right. see if there's any more nights that he gets off conspicuously against, uh, you know,
0: top, top teams and maybe some uh, front court size. Uh, I mean, big, impressive win over Washington. They won by 45 points, Legs. <laughs> they won by 45 points. he, <laughs> Like you said, he weren't needed for that game, but there he is putting up a 50-piece. Um, by the way, nobody's playing better than him right now in the NBA. Yeah. And B. has well, Bede, been unbelievable. Yeah, again, with some impressive wins. Washington twice, Detroit. I mean, these big-time wins, man. He's filling it up over there. I told you I could be a little hater on this stuff. This stuff bothers me. You know, it bothers me. Definitely, Jackie. Jeffrey drank some haterade this morning. There's no doubt about it. (laughs) I definitely did. All right, I asked you to wrap up today, so I asked you. You know, we're talking about Petty. Did you have? Is is there another story you have about Petty in the like in your career where you remember? Yep,
1: I'll give you two quick ones. One, this is actually a personal story of my senior year in high school. I'm going for the I'm going for the school scoring record. Oh, and we are, playing, we are playing our arch rival. It just happened. And they're three miles across. I mean, this is in West End of Richmond. They're three miles from us. Arch rival in every sport. This I mean, a hoop,
0: and, Richmond, Virginia, this is a hoops. Bit, uh, yeah, bet, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even back then it was. It was very under-recruited
1: at the time. And AAU kind of now now there's a lot of kids every year that come at it. In fact, there's a school there now that's in the top 15 in the country, John Marshall. It's that, that, a hotbed of hoops. We're playing our arch rival, going for the school scoring record, and they come out and they go four corner stall against ah. them. Okay. Now,
2: so and lame. I think so their intent
1: lame. was their intent, and it was at home, by the way, it was in our gym. Their intent was, of course, our, our student section and our crowds got here laying into a packed house, yeah. standing in the room, because they were hyping up this game. It was because it was leading into this was going to be the night that I was going to break this record. And they go to four corner stall, but. Unfortunately for them, they weren't very good and they their guards turned the ball over a few times. So we get a lead. And at some point you got to start playing, man, if you want to try to win a game. Then they started to have to play and I ended up we, we beat them and I got the record that night. But here's the other one I want to bring out. And I got I got into a little back and forth over this a few years ago. It was the Knicks and Memphis. It was in New York. Jay Crowder was playing for Memphis. Memphis was up 16 points with about 40 seconds left in the game, and they scored to go up 16. The Knicks kind of, whoever took the ball out of bounds, I don't remember who it was now, the player took the ball out of bounds and basically without looking, casually kind of flipped it in to the point guard for the Knicks, who I think was Alfred Payton, who's going to take the ball up the floor, and they're probably going to get a shot off, and then the game's going to end because the, the Memphis will hold the ball, right? Kind of just natural the way games end yeah. like that. Right. Jay Crowder kind of is lurking the entire time. He's lurking in the backcourt. And as they flip it in, he runs up and steals the ball, dribbles to the corner, and shoots a three. <laughs> up 16 with 40 seconds to go. And you remember this? Alfred Payton drills him right through his <laughs> chest with two hands <laughs> and knocks him into the crowd. I don't starts remember a this. Break. It started a fight on the court. And I don't remember the fallout. I'm sure if Peyton got ejected, I, he probably got suspended. But you can look it up. You can find this on YouTube that you know Alfred Peyton shoves Jay Crowder, it pops right up. Um I thought and I said that I call I said, come on, man. And here's what I tell you, I don't I don't believe in running up the score. But what I do believe in, if the other team is clearly unprepared for like for, for yeah, something yeah. like that, you know what I mean? And you're taking advantage of that when you're already up 16 that's different to me that's that's going outside of like i said what is the normal protocol that's why i had such a problem with patrick beverly the year he dove into russell westbrook and him. right everybody in the gym knew because billy donovan is signaling timeout timeout westbrook's bringing the ball up the floor he's dribbling toward at an angle toward the sideline Everybody knows he's going to step over half court. He's going to put the ball in his hip. and He's going to call timeout, right? And what happens? He does that. He relaxes. Patrick Beverly dives at the ball, dives right on his knee, tears cartilage in his knee, affects Oklahoma City's entire postseason because you did it to an unaware player, and it's outside of what normal protocol is. And the people that defended that were like, oh, play through the whistle. What are you talking right, about? Right. Like, come oh, on, man. No. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of what I felt like Jay Crowder did in that situation. Like this team is yeah. completely unsuspecting that you're you're in backcourt for some reason. You know, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? And then to top it off, he didn't just steal it and then just dribble out and dribble the clock out. He went right to the corner and the shot it. Three. Three. And got uh, and got absolutely drilled by Alfred yeah. Payton and started like a pretty good little uh pretty good little scrum there in the corner in the front row of Madison Square Garden.
0: Uh i love i love that one do you remember a couple years back this must have been six years ago jamal murray had 48 points against the celtics it was his career high he had never had a 50 piece and 10 seconds left he dribbles up you know nuggets up enough that you don't need a bucket or you don't need to do anything he dribbles up and takes a three because he wants to get 50. and Kyrie, he missed it Kyrie irving grabbed the ball and kicked it into the stands i don't know if you remember this i don't but remember he,
2: that
0: it kicks he dropped kicked the ball all the way into the stands and afterwards that's his thing too like you take that shot you don't get the game ball hopefully you know somebody take the game ball home i thought it was you know at that time i'm speaking out of both sides of my house because by that time i was like how was dare funny. Kyrie irving act like
2: this right, but- right
1: right of course wait hey i got i got one more too just popped in my head okay another great one um this is the orlando magic are playing i want to say the Pistons or whoever Doug Collins was coaching at the time. Maybe, maybe, maybe Washington. Anthony Bowie is playing for the Orlando Magic. Okay. He's got he's one assist shy of a triple double. So, and they're up. Game's pretty much over. They call timeout. They're trying to set up a play to get Anthony Bowie an assist. And Doug Collins is coaching the other team. He's so irate over what they've done. He tells his team, you know what, if he want it that bad, let him have it. And he basically tells his entire team to stand over in front of the bench. (laughs) And and I remember the ball was being taken out around half court. And Anthony Bowie takes it out and he throws like a baseball pass under the basket to somebody. And they catch it and lay it in because there's only like a second or two left. in the game, And they catch it, lay it in. He gets his 10th assist and Doug Collins there. Good. And he like (laughs) stores off the court. Yeah, you want it that bad here. We're going to give it to you. So that was like another one, kind of this end of the game. Anytime you're talking about something done merely for a statistical accomplishment, it's going to lead to like conversations like this,
0: right? You know what? I changed my mind, Legs. I'm on the other side now. I'm all for it. I like these stupid things. It's like baseball has unwritten rules. You can't look at the pitcher after a home run. You can't flip the bat. like These dumb things, and I think it's so dumb. So I'm with you no more unwritten rules do whatever you want end of game take a three take a dunk whatever it doesn't matter play to the final whistle uh that does it for today guys good show legs is off tomorrow we're gonna enjoy a vacation time but we do have mark campbell who is an nba trainer he's a personal trainer he works out with several guys he's had uh believe beasley he's had Demontis Sabonis. so we're gonna talk a little bit nba training should be a fun one everybody thanks for tuning in legs enjoy your uh, time off All right. You got out. Talk to you soon. <laughs> we all see like the mayor.